0: Should I go? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, this is Michelle Kanan, and you're listening to the Radically Selfish podcast. Radically Selfish is a movement. It's a personal revolution. And so I'm talking to women that have personally revolutionized their own lives and taken back the definition for what it means to be happy, healthy, and to do things their own way. Fuck what society tells you to do. You get to live the life that you want. I'm really excited to share the launch of something special with you today, and it is the Commit to Your Selfish Challenge. That's right. It's a free five-day challenge that I'm launching just for you that's going to take you from a place of resistance or fear or, "Mm, no, I can't do that, to hell, yes, I can. And of course, and the universe supports me, and I'm ready for the damn thing. So if you have a project that you want to get moving or a situation that you want to change, or if you just want to feel more empowered, then go to sign up radically selfish.com And you can be in this free challenge with me and an amazing community of women that is ready to take over the world. So go do that right now while you're listening to this next episode. Today, I'm talking to an amazing and powerful woman who shifted from not even wanting to have sex with her husband to becoming an empowered sexuality doula. I know, I never heard that term before either. Releasing her deep shame in a profound journey of sexual liberation. I'm talking about the one and only Evian Whitney. She's the founder of the Sex Love Liberation podcast and a sexual liberation coach. Her self-proclaimed mission is to breathe sensual light into you, to make you fully aware of your innate erotic nature, and to whisper to your soul words that'll arouse the wild woman in you. Damn, (laughs) that sounds good to me. Well, I loved our conversation and I can't wait to share it with you now. So enjoy. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is Michelle Kanan, and I am here today with Evian Whitney. I'm really excited to talk to her. I've actually been following her on Instagram for a while. She is a sexuality doula, which I definitely want to talk about more and learn more about what that's like, an educator, and she's also the creator of the Sensual Selfie Challenge, which I'm definitely going to be taking part of in the next round. So Evian, welcome to the Radically Selfish Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. It's great that we can connect. I know that you are on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast, uh, but we get to get together. And I really, from the beginning, like I've heard of doulas and I've heard of sexuality educators. What is a sexuality doula?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I get that a lot because I think a lot of people are like, what is that? I mean, they're familiar with birth doulas, and they're familiar with death doulas, and so they want to know what a sexuality doula is. So the way that I define it is a sexuality doula is someone who helps women and femme-identifying folks who want to transition out of a life of sexual shame, a life of sexual dysfunction, a life of like not being sure who they are as sexual beings, and into a place of total unabashed erotic empowerment whatever that looks like for them and so I like to call myself a sexuality doula because one I don't really like the name or the word coach I feel like it doesn't really quite encompass the kind of work that I do and the amount of work that I do for the people that I work with and then also you know it really is like doulas tend to work in this realm of transitions you know transition of birth transition of death so I basically work with transitions of sexuality which I think is really cool.
0: So what births in that regard are you able to foster? Like what are some of the changes that you've seen? Or you can even talk about like your own experience. Like a a lot of people, it's so easy for them to – want to put sex or sexual energy like behind closed doors or separate it from how we live our lives? Like, what have you seen through your work of like using sex or sexual energy as a method for making these kinds of transitions in people's lives?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that because sex is so taboo, unfortunately, so many of us have been disconnected from it. And so a lot of people come to me wanting to reconnect with this fundamental and very important part of themselves. They just don't know how to do that outside of the stories of shame that they were given, the trauma that happened to them. So, and also, you know, religious traditions are a pretty big theme in the work that I do with, you know, in terms of getting people outside of those stories and into something that feels more liberating more free and more likely to suit them because a lot of the people that I work with are like yeah so I was taught this thing about sex or like I'll stop speaking generally like I was taught that it is not right for me to ask for what I want in the bedroom because it could offend my man or it could like hurt his ego but I want to step out of those stories because I'm not having the kind of sex that I want to have. I'm not being able to express myself sexually in the way that I want to. And so the work that I do basically helps them to find the things that they want to explore, the things that they want to liberate, the stories that they want to step out of so that they can really step into the full expression of who they want to be as sexual beings. And I work predominantly with women. So, I mean, that has a whole host (laughs) of issues that comes with it when it comes to sexual shame and miseducation, misunderstandings, and things like that. So a lot of my work is educational, it's face-holding, there's a lot of emotional labor that's involved, and it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the work that I do.
0: That's really cool to bring that in. A lot of people can have the misconception that personal development work or healing work is super serious or super heavy. And I know it can go to deep places like that, but talking about joy and pleasure and feeling good and the liberation, like, and how much fun you can have in a process. I think that's Mm -hmm. really important for people to know about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think some people think that I'm gonna be talking a lot about the hard stuff and that stuff certainly comes up because that's part of the process, that's part of the journey. But I try to make this experience as fun and as light and as playful as possible because I think sex already comes with so much negative, heavy connotations attached to it. And so I want for people to be able to access sexuality and conversations with me about sexuality from a place of just like heartedness, like, you know, you can say whatever you want to me in session about your sexual desires or about the needs that aren't getting met. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to make you feel like you're weird. Like I really try to demystify and even take the charge out of sex so that when I talk about it with like my own friends, it's like, I was having a conversation with a friend recently who was talking to me about her orgasm. And she's like, Oh my God, too much information. I was like, I am not (laughs) by this. Like I do, this is my work. So like, I don't really, I don't see, you know, conversations about sex or orgasms or butt plugs or masturbation as being like, Oh, don't say those things, you know? So I like that I'm able to give people permission to access these kinds of conversations. And for many of them, they haven't ever in their lives.
0: So I'm so curious also from, you know, my own selfish desire to know, like I was looking at your Instagram today and the post that you have up is like your amethyst chakra and like a sex toy and the lube that you like, yeah. which is truth, which is real. And also I appreciate like learning about these brands and like learning about <laughs> what you're doing. What, are, is your family just, like, totally cool with you posting about it? Like, or are, are they all blocked? Like, sometimes, you know, I'm doing development work, too, and sometimes the yeah. things that I write, I'm like, I don't want my mom to see this. Like, I don't want my family totally. to know. Like, how do you balance, like, giving truth and, like, being real and at the same time, like, you know, dealing with the family stuff or, like, those kinds of expectations?
1: Yeah, another great question. So I've been doing this for over seven years now, and I think in that time, my – Parents, my family members, they've kind of gotten it through their heads that, like, <laughs> oh, this is her thing. And, like, I feel like when I first started, I think my mom and my family have this understanding of the work that I did as, like, oh, it's just like light and fun. And, you know, because I first started my work from a place of writing on a fashion blog. And so that fashion blog was like, you know, I was posting about my outfits and, my marriage and my dog and recipes and stuff like that and so my all of my family members for the most part read that blog and so when I started the new blog about sexuality I think my family thought that it was a continuation of (laughs) recipes and so when they started seeing my articles about bisexuality and masturbation and me saying that like I'm a woman who watches porn they were like what on earth what is this So I think that in that time, they've learned that like, this is a thing that I do. And for the most part, I don't think many of my family members follow me because I think some of them are religious. So my mom is married to a pastor. She's really involved in her church. So I think that it makes her uncomfortable. It brings up a lot of like uncomfortable things for her, understandably, to look at my social media and my blog. And then there are other people who are just like, I don't really want to talk about that. I don't want to think about sex. I don't want to hear those kind of conversations. And so in the beginning, it was kind of, it bothered me because I'm like, this is my work. And like, it's my life's work. And I'm so excited about this. And I want to share my excitement with you. And I want you to be a part of my life. But these days, I'm just like, you know, it's if it's not for you, it's not for you. And it's unfortunate that I have so many family members who are not really checking for me in that way. But what I will say that's kind of like a plus side to this is that I think even though my mom denies that she reads my blog, I know that she's still reading. Like I know (laughs) she's still on my Instagram. I haven't blocked her because I think that that would be, I don't know. I just don't think it's like at that level. And so even though we kind of have this don't ask, don't tell agreement when it comes to the work that I do, There have been a few moments that I've shared with her that have been really, really precious where she has talked to me about sex very openly, like about the sex that she's having. And it wasn't in this like full blown way, but you could tell that she was like hinting at it. And I really appreciate those moments. I I appreciate knowing that my mom knows the work that I do. And because of that, she feels comfortable and maybe even safe to talk about these things with me. Whereas if she didn't know that I did this kind of work, these conversations probably wouldn't happen. So it's frustrating on one hand, but then on the other, I feel like I'm getting stuff in, like, you know, I'm able to be there for my mom or be there for my siblings so that like if they ever have, you know, problems with sex or they just, I feel like they know to come to me, like they know that that's not something that I would be freaked out about or that I would judge them about. And so I think that that's, that's a pretty good compromise. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Cause there was a part of me that was
0: expecting you to say that like, there was a rebellion and that like, you know, like I know in my personal experience with some of my family members, you know, there was a lot of pushback or there mm-hmm. was like criticism, you know, and oh, there
1: was, <laughs> there definitely was like, I don't want to sound like, Totally rosy. I mean, my, I I remember having conversations with my dad where he he told me that because of this article that I wrote about pornography and and basically I was telling women, like, don't be afraid of proclaiming that you use pornography as a way to get off. I mean, it's like any other sex toy. Pornography is a tool to help you access your sexuality and, and things like that. And I guess he read that article and he was like, yeah, you know, you're helping people stray, basically, because he's very religious. And so this idea of me being like, hey, watch pornography? Pornography for him is sinful. And so him watching me tell people to, you know, embrace pornography as a tool for their sex lives was like, oh my gosh, you're leading people into the mouth of hell. <laughs> so there was definitely no big lot, deal. <laughs> yeah, a lot of criticism, a lot of pushback. I think honestly because I've been doing this for so long that my family is just kind of like, oh well that's Avian. Mean, she's over there doing her thing. You know, it's not we don't really have a lot of conversations about it these days. Initially, it was a pretty big shock.
0: So I know for a lot of women that listen to the podcast, they get really inspired by her. it's really interesting for them to understand or how we make those transitions, how we go from living a life that isn't true to us or is for somebody else to really like proclaiming who we are and like being fully expressed and like coming out in a way, you know, and like standing oh. for that really believe in. How was that process for you? Or I'm just, I only know one piece of the story, which is that you went from fashion blogger to, you know, being a sexuality duelist. So what was that process like for you? And how did you know that this was your work? And what made you like claim it and just show up in that
1: way? It's interesting. Like I certainly did not Go to school to be a sexuality doula. It's not something that I was like, I know what I want to be when I grow up and I want to be a sexuality doula. The trajectory of my work was not going in that direction. I'd been writing for a really long time and I had pinned a couple of essays on my fashion blog that was speaking to my experience being a newlywed and how difficult and frustrating it was for me to be in this position of being newly married, but also feeling like the sex part wasn't coming as naturally as it should. I mean, there was so much talk about, you know, once you get married, that's when you have sex. And especially for me, I signed a purity contract when I was like eight and 13. So this notion of like, okay, finally you got married, you can do a thing. It's all uphill or all downhill from there. And that wasn't the case for me. And so I was feeling really perplexed as to why like I'm an adult. I am married to the love of my life. Like, why is it that sex is still such an issue for me? And so I started talking very gently and not super directly about my struggles with Intimacy in my marriage and based on those few articles that i written, there weren't more articles. There were more like essays. I got a lot of like feedback from people who had read those and they were saying like, wow, this is so me. Like I'm right there with you. I feel the exact same as you do. And then um, that's kind of, I guess, the first inkling that I got that like, oh, sexuality is not a thing that only I have a problem with. There are many people out in this world, many women in particular, who struggle with this. And then maybe fast forward a year or two, I had a friend of mine reach out to me who was a sex journalist, and she was doing this web series or this internet series where she wanted to highlight women about their sexuality journeys, and particularly like their opinions and their ideas about pornography and masturbation. And so I guess she had seen the couple of essays that I've written on my fashion blog about it. And she was like, I would love for you to write some essays for this series that I'm doing. And so I didn't feel super comfortable with the idea of <laughs> putting essays about masturbation and porn on a website that my mom followed. <laughs> so I was like, you know, we should create a new blog for this. I was talking to my husband about it and he was like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's create a new blog. You'll have this place for you to house these essays. And um, maybe who knows, you'll continue to do this. And so I did the essays, the essays were great. I really enjoyed the process. And originally, it was only supposed to be that like, it was only supposed to be like, Oh, sex, love, liberation, my website is just to house these essays. And I ended up really liking it. I ended up realizing like, wow, this is a part of me that needs more time and needs more attention. And so I began to write more essays. And More essays, and then I started getting people who were like, Hey, so when are you gonna teach workshops? or How can I hire you to, like, you know, help me on my journey? and I was like, Whoa, where's this coming from? (laughs) because I am not a person who is an expert in this realm whatsoever. So I turned a lot of these people down at first, but I'd say after a couple years of people like bothering me about it, I started to really think about what it would look like for me to hold space for women in this way like what it would look like for me to take all of the knowledge that I had gathered based on the years and years of sexual dysfunction that I had previously dealt with in my relationship like what would it look like if I created a safe space for people to talk to me about this kind of stuff and it pretty much that was the end of it like (laughs) I started doing my sessions and fell in love with that part of it so even the one part that I, is, like, how did you make the decision,
0: like, especially with, like, social media and people, you know, with their personal brands and, like, making everything perfect and I'm even thinking as a fashion blogger, like, that you're presenting yourself in a certain way, what was the decision? How did you... Get the balls, so to speak, to like write about your own personal experience in such a public way, instead of like trying to figure it out in private. Or like, you know, do you remember what that decision
1: was like, or why you decided to go for it in that way? Hmm. That is a really good question. I've gotten that question only a couple times, and the truth is that I don't, I don't really have a good answer to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the reason why is because writing to me was such a part of the way that I processed. And I never, sure, like I could have written a blog and had it private. I think there's something in there for me about being witnessed in my journey, like knowing that I'm not writing into like a void, but there are people who are witnessing this and who are on the other side of this being like, you know, I feel you or I see you. And I think I kind of feel like maybe that's why I made the initial decision to write about my sexual dysfunction and my issues with sexuality on my fashion blog, because I think there was this part of me that was like, I'm already sharing so much of myself to you guys already. Like you guys know what I'm wearing, you know what my dog looks like, you know what I have for dinner yesterday. This is a huge part of who I am as well. And so mostly I think I just wanted a chance to vent about what was going on. And then also just like be able to get feedback from people to see if like I was normal because I was really young at the time. I think I was in my early, early 20s and I didn't really have a lot of people to talk to about sex. And so I think writing for me was one of the better ways for me to understand myself and to know myself. I don't know why I do it publicly. Like, yeah, it's just something that, yeah, I don't know. I think it's an
0: interesting point that you bring up about this desire to be witnessed. Mm-hmm. And when I think about, you know, people have a lot to say about social media or about how we use the internet today, uh, there's a lot of criticism about it, but it also gives us this power like to be visible, like to create visibility where there wasn't any and to like create that kind of relationship or you know, like it makes it like a, not a level playing field, but it really just like allows you to, to be seen, you know? And Mm -hmm. so if you can create this community, no matter how big or how small, right, it's not only about the fame, but if Mm -hmm. you can create that kind of community around yourself and like, and share your truth in it, like that's something very special.
1: Yeah. There's definitely something there about being witnessed and not wanting to be isolated, Mm -hmm. you know, because for so long I was dealing with this issue very privately and I didn't really know how else to tackle it beyond continuing to read more books, <laughs> so I felt like writing about it was just my way of trying to understand, and then also my way of of wanting to be missed, like wanting to be seen that like yeah, there are parts of my life that look really. Perfect and perfectly curated, but there are other parts of me that is I'm still trying to figure out. I feel like when you're going through something that can be so
0: private or personal, but full of pain, like it can be incredibly isolating. Mm-hmm. Also, and mm-hmm. I feel like Brene Brown talks a lot about how shame can make us feel so isolated, like we can mm-hmm. feel so alone when we're in those places. Mm-hmm. So it's important. It's like to be able to connect with other people, like not to let our shame be something that we hide behind in that. Kind of way. Like, I love doing having this podcast and doing development work because the more women that I work with, the more women that I talk to, it's I hate to say misery loves company, that's not what it is, but there's something so reassuring and so beautiful to know that even though we all have a different story with different details, that we're Mm -hmm. all going through these struggles. Like, it's these are universal experiences that we're all having, and it can be so. Liberating and empowering instead of having to deal with it alone in the dark or like in the privacy of our own homes Yeah,
1: I mean I think the decision to make my struggles public was I mean obviously in the long run a good one because I was able to really I guess See that I wasn't the only one because for a long time I felt like I was the only person on this planet earth that was dealing with these kinds of issues and so my talking about it publicly was a really great way for me to realize that like, no, actually this is really common and that there isn't necessarily anything wrong with you, that a lot of people go through this. We're just not talking about it enough. And that's something that I've seen come up over and over in my work is how people find me because, you know, they're doing Google searches about their own sexual dysfunction or their disconnection with their sexualities. And they see or they read the right way that I write and there's something about it to them that makes them feel like I'm not alone. You know, like I'm not someone who's like, I have figured it out and you know, you should listen to me, but I'm someone that's like, I'm still figuring it out too. You know, maybe a little further along on my journey than you, but like there's still parts of me that I need to heal and there's still parts of me that needs to be uncovered. And I think that people resonate with that. I think that people resonate with, people who are human and who show their flaws and their vulnerabilities in this way, because we see so much perfection. Like I'm, I'm just thinking about Instagram and how Instagram is one of the most perfect ways for you to have a completely different life. Like no one would even know that you're dealing with depression or you're dealing with body image issues or that like you're broke because you can take a picture and show people a certain frame of your life and, suddenly that's the entirety of it. And so because of that, because of how prevalent perfection is, I think it's so important for people like me and people who are doing work like me to be very out and proud and open and vulnerable in this way because we don't need any more people that are like, I'm perfect. I have it all together. Like, I'm so tired of seeing that, you know, and it's not healthy. It's not productive to see that kind of stuff all the time. I
0: agree. So how would somebody know if like they're – The route that they should go, or like the modality that they should explore, would be through sex work. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many different healers to work with, there's so many different things to try. And I know that a lot of people, just like in the way, society set up they want to deal with like their mind stuff you know they want to talk to like a therapist or like go to a, a coach you know do like mindset work are people do they know when it's time to work with you or are they drawn to it or like or what kind of guidance could you give to people that are curious about doing the kind of work that you do
1: yeah I feel like a lot of the people who come to me have been following me for a really long time and so they've grown accustomed and they've grown to trust my voice and I guess my philosophy and my opinions about sex and sexuality. And so they usually come to me knowing exactly who I am, exactly what I do, and exactly how they want me to not fix them, but like hold space for them and help them achieve the kind of sexual healing that they want to achieve. There have been a few people who have been like, oh, I just like Google searched you and you popped up and now I'm on your... On your newsletter, but for the most part, I feel like people who choose to hire me hire me because they know it's time. Like they've either tried everything else, like they've tried therapy, they've tried reading all the books, they've tried certain like sex moves and sex toys and all these other things, and they're like, it's still not working. Like, I need another perspective. I need someone who has been there, someone who understands, and someone that I can trust. And I feel so grateful and incredibly privileged to be people or be someone that people choose you know because you're right there's so many different ways that people can go I mean there's so many different people that people can choose in terms of like you know working with someone and so the fact that they see the work that I do and they see my face and they see the words that I put out into the world as someone that they can trust I mean that's pretty huge you know. So can you tell
0: our listeners or people that aren't so familiar with you and your work, what do you stand for? What's important to you? Like, what should they consider that they maybe never considered before? Like, for a lot of people, you know, especially in our culture, thinking about, like, sexuality can be something that, like, they don't really let themselves do or get too deep into. Like, how do you talk about, how do you want people to think about it? Like, what do you want them to know about the value and the power of what you do?
1: Hmm. Oh man, I stand for so many things. I mean, I stand for sex workers. I stand for women who want to have complete ownership of their bodies. And by ownership, I mean, they are allowed to do whatever the hell they want to do with their bodies. They are allowed to share their body with whoever they want to. Like I really believe in trusting women to make the choices that they want to when it comes to their sexuality and their sexual identity. I also stand for this notion that like sexuality doesn't necessarily need to be kept hidden. And that's not to say that we should all go out and have sex in the street, because that's not what I'm saying, unless that's your thing, that's your kink, (laughs) then go for it. But I just mean that like, you know, for me, sex was something that you did behind closed doors. It's not something you talked about. And to talk about it was taboo. Like it was a thing that was completely against the sanctity of a relationship, the sanctity of a a marriage. And so one of the things that I've been exploring in the last couple of years with my work is being very out and proud about the fact that I'm a sexual being, you know, because for so long, even when I started doing my work, I'd say the first four years of me doing my work, like I would talk about sex in my writing, but when it came to like, you know, the things that I was posting on Instagram, or the Facebook stuff that I was posting there, like, I wasn't really talking about myself or my sexuality, you know, I found that to be kind of weird, like how I'm so immersed in this world of sexuality. And I, you know, love talking about sex, I love reading about sex. But yet, there's this part of me that feels that if I were to be like, hey, guys, I had amazing sex last night, that people would look at me funny or that that would be seen as wrong or off-brand. So I've been really trying to flip that on its head and bring my sexual identity out of the shadows and be more like in people's faces, not in a non-consensual way, but just to say like, yes, I'm a sexual being and I have sexual desires. and yeah, I had a really great orgasm last night. (laughs) We should all be talking about sex in this way if we feel comfortable to because it's such a natural part of who we are and there's nothing to be ashamed about, you know? So I really want for people, especially for people who follow me on Instagram to know that like the images that I post aren't me trying to like elicit, you know, sexy feels from someone. Like that's me actually standing in the truth that, I am a sexual being, I have a sexual body, and there's nothing wrong or nothing that I should be ashamed about when it comes to putting that out into the world. Particularly if I stand with the notion that it's my body and it's my choice, and we should trust women, and we should trust that, you know, their decision to put their body out there is the choice that they want to make for them. Like, there's so many things wrapped up into, like, the sexy selfie thing for me. It's not yeah. just about, like, you know, taking a sexy photo. It's about, like, taking up space and, like, subverting this notion that I'm not allowed to be a sexual being in public. And I'm sure also
0: reclaiming, like, the male gaze, right? Like, totally. re- you know, repositioning that, like doing it for yourself, not for somebody else. I know that when that was a challenge that I went through also with my own work too, that for a long time, I would like just put up quote graphics or like pictures of something else. And I was afraid of taking selfies or I had like a judgment about that you know of being like too vain or like too self-centered or Mm -hmm. you know just like it brought up a lot of like deep stuff in me you know I had a, a strong aversion to it and that was like a part of a challenge that I went through of like being visible you know of like proclaiming who I am of showing myself of like standing in my truth it's interesting to use social media in that kind of way but it gives you the power to do
1: that Yeah. So it's one of, I mean, I love Instagram and I can't stand Instagram at the same time. (laughs) Not just because of the the thing that I was mentioning a moment ago about like how it's like the perfect way for people to like think that the grass is greener on the other side when they don't even have an actual picture of that grass. Like we don't know where they got those pictures, Hmm. but also, you know, Instagram is not sex positive. I've had a lot of my photos taken down that were 100% censored. Like they were not erotic or pornographic in any kind of way. I've had about a dozen of my photos taken down. And a lot of the women that I follow who do work in alignment with the work that I do are also having their photos taken down or, their accounts completely like blocked, like they're banned from Instagram, they're unable to log on and create a new account. So like, on the one hand, it's such a blessing that we have social media to start these conversations and to give people different portrayals of what female sexuality looks like and subverting the male gaze and all those things. And then it's another thing where it's like, well, Instagram isn't, honestly, the best place. Instagram does not want anything to do with the kind of work that I do. And I'm constantly skirting that line of like, I want to make sure that I don't go too far in one direction. Because like, I mean, it's sad that I've had people who had no idea, no warnings from Instagram whatsoever in terms of like, oh, we're going to ban you from our account. They just logged on one day and they're like, oh, I lost all of my followers and all of my photos and I can't log on to this website anymore. So I'm always kind of living in the space of like fear and anxiety. Like I want to make sure that I'm standing in my truth and I'm really putting myself out there and being visible and standing for having sexuality not be this hidden thing. And then on the other hand, I'm constantly being reminded that like sex is still a thing. Like sex is still a major taboo for people It's still seen as something that is bad or wrong. And we have a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, I was thinking of like the issue of like with women breastfeeding on mm-hmm. Instagram, how they're taking down those photos. It always just amazes me what Instagram or Facebook what they're like totally cool with letting be there, and what they start taking down. Like it's like who's writing the rules and what are the rules? And you right. know, you don't even know how to play this game that somebody
1: else invented the rules for. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think you know who is writing the rules are men you know and i don't know it's i don't want to get on like total rant about it but i do think that it's important for us to think about alternative ways for us to take up space in this way mm. to make ourselves visible but also not to compromise emotional and mental health because there was a while where I was definitely like feeling really depressed at the fact that like, wow, there is this fundamental part of me that I'm not allowed to show because nipples on a woman are automatically sexualized. So I try not to go into that little dark spiral of like, oh, everything is terrible and corrupt and like, we hate women so much. It's like in our fundamental, you know, like I try not to think about that. And I try to like just remain positive and do what I can in like walking that line of like, is it safe for work? Is it not safe for work? And I'm happy to report that I haven't had a photo taken down in like over a year, which is like, (laughs) that means that I'm doing something right. And so I'm just going to keep on doing that. But I mean, it's sad that I even have to think about silencing myself in that way or like censoring myself in that way so with something like the sensual selfie challenge
0: what does it do for a participant like i'm thinking like okay this would be something really cool for me to take part in and then you know i start to think like okay but do i want my family to see that or like do i want all these you know guys sliding in my dms like you know and like why is it important for us to do Something like that, to take part in something like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. The Sensual Selfie Challenge is a challenge I created on Instagram that was like, I don't know, a few months ago, where I was challenging women and femmes to take photos of themselves sensually. And that can look like whatever they wanted that to look like. I mean, we had some people who were going fully naked, and I definitely was like, hey, I love your photo, but be careful. I don't want you to get banned on <laughs> on Instagram. Um, and then we also had people who were fully clothed, and they were just taking these really beautiful, soft photos with flowers or playing with light or just, like, playing with taking selfies in general because, like, as you mentioned a moment ago, like, it's something that – I feel like women especially have had to deal with in this really sad way that like if we take a selfie we're seen as vain we're seen as superficial frivolous all those kinds of things and so I created the sensual selfie challenge as a way to give women permission to finally take up space in the way that maybe they want have wanted to but they haven't gotten the permission or maybe they didn't feel you know super comfortable doing it and yeah we had like a thousand people do it. And it was like this huge movement. It kind of like blew up the internet for a little bit there. And it was great. I mean, it seems like people were really able to see their bodies in a new light by taking photos like this. They were able to affirm the sensuality of themselves outside of a male gaze. Mm. I think for so many women, our sexualities have been only validated through a man's approval or a man's you know pleasure or desire and so being able to have a challenge like this gave women the opportunity to be like i am in charge of my sexual narrative i am in charge of my body and i want to share it like i want to put it out into the world i want to celebrate it and so i think if there's anyone out there who wants to play with using self portraiture as a way to liberate themselves sexually like it's one of my favorite things to do. I teach workshops on this like all the time. And I love being able to give people a modality that is pretty easy. Like most of us are doing selfies anyway, but just giving it some intention around this idea of like every selfie you take is an opportunity for you to see your sexual radiance with your own eyes. That's beautiful.
0: (laughs) It's like, because while you were talking, something that I started to think about was it's so much in the theme of what you're talking about, like how we compartmentalize so many parts of our lives and what happens, especially like when we're compartmentalizing like our sensuality or sexuality, right? Like those are things that are quote unquote, not appropriate for family or for work or for public or for the internet. When we are taught over and over, when we learn to just like push that away how much harder it becomes for us to access it or how much foreign it is for us when we want to be in that place you know Mm -hmm. and how unnatural and so we need to be mindful like to have these kinds of opportunities to reclaim it and to explore it and to feel what it's like you know to have our feminine energy right sensuality is so much about playing with our feminine energy in that kind of way and it can get so lost or so far away in the way that we've been taught to live successful quote-unquote normal quote-unquote lives, right?
1: Right, right. Well, and I would also argue that the more images we see of women fully owning their bodies, fully owning their sexual narratives, fully owning their sexualities, like we are dismantling this notion that women's sexuality looks a particular way. Mm-hmm. Like we're actually putting the power back into our own hands. And it also like kind of in some ways desexualizes us because the more images we see of women who are taking their narrative back into their own hands, like who are able to, you know, explore their sexualities in a way that maybe counter to what we're used to in terms of the male gaze, the more likely we are to be like, oh, that's a new way of looking at women's sexuality. That's a new way, a more appropriate way to look at a woman who is embodying sensuality. And so like, on the one hand, like I build this challenge and the workshops that I teach as a way for you to connect with yourself and, and see yourself in a new light. On the other, there's this part of me that's like, no, we need more images like this out into the world. Like the more, I don't know if this will happen in my lifetime or really want it to, but like this idea that like, if we have more of these images coming out, then people on Instagram or the people, the powers that be at Instagram will be like, there's just, there's too many. Like I can't keep up. (laughs) I can't ban all of these people. Like, what am I going to do? Like there's this part of me that kind of likes the idea that by, taking photos like these we're like smashing the patriarchy in like a really big way. I definitely don't make the challenge about that. <laughs> Although that there's like, you know, there's this part of me that's like, yes, like let's yeah. smash patriarchy and sex negativity, but it's another win-win, you know? Yeah. Like
0: you were saying a really accessible way for anybody to do it. Cause I'm thinking right. from like in a societal way or a structural way, like, you know, giving women directors or women producers, like women storytellers, more opportunities. Like how do we get more women to do those things, those projects and like create media that reaches people on like a mass scale. But this is that very personalized version of like how we can, Take this fight or take this movement into our own homes and into our own lives, just using totally. cell phones.
1: Yeah, totally. I would also add too that like the challenge and and the workshops that I teach, like I'm not under any sort of illusion that everyone can do this kind of work. I mean, I happen to be in a really niche kind of place in my work where if there are naked photos of me on the internet, I'm not going to lose my job because mm. I so. <laughs> you get promoted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I get promoted. But for people who uh, work in like education, or people who want to run for political office, or people for women who are just working in general, like the reality is that if photos like these are found, they can get fired. They can, you know, lose status and all those kinds of things. So I'm not suggesting that everyone who takes a sensual selfie or a sexy selfie should put it on the internet. Mm-hmm. But that's a really important and personal choice. And I don't think that, People who do post those photos on the internet are more sexually enlightened or more, you know, sexually radical or, or sexually, you know, connected than others. I do think that is a practice, like the practice of taking selfies can be just for you. And a lot of the people who even took the sensual selfie challenge took those photos, but they never posted mm. on the internet. Maybe they shared it with a friend or maybe they just kept it for themselves, but they were like, I'm not comfortable putting myself out there in this way. I work in a church, don't really want that stuff to come out, but I do want to hold space for myself during this time. Like I do want to give myself the space to explore this part of myself in a new way. And I'm going to commit to doing five days of this challenge, but I hope it's okay that I don't publish it on the internet. And I'm like, of course not. Like I want for this practice to be something that you return to as a way for you to Affirm your sexual identity and affirm your sexual radiance and whatever that looks like. And it really is a huge privilege for folks like me to be able to take photos like I do and post them on the internet. So I definitely don't want people to think that like everyone needs to just post their dudes on the internet. It's <laughs> totally a personal and radical decision. And there's nothing wrong with keeping those parts of yourselves private, you know. Yeah. I'm really glad that you said that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're right. Because a lot of people might close their minds or like to the possibility, you know, I can't do that. But you can do these things. It's not for other people again, right? Right. So how do you create your own boundaries, like your own setup? Like, How do you explore in a safe space that you make for yourself, right? And and most of us can do that for ourselves if we so choose to.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I want for people to know, like, my idea of sexual liberation isn't, a woman who posts sexy photos of themselves on the internet, like, my idea of sexual liberation is anything that makes you feel that you are honoring yourself as a sexual person, whatever that looks like. And that could look like you having vanilla sex behind cult closed doors, and you never talk about it with anyone. If you're making that decision from a place of like, yep, this is me, these are my beliefs, these are my traditions that I want to stick by... I absolutely 100% support that. I think that that is a form of sexual liberation. To me, sexual liberation is the ability to choose. And my choice is to put those photos on the internet because I feel like that's part of my sexual liberation. That's part of my sexual exploration. That's something that I'm very proud of and I want to celebrate And I don't look down on anyone who's like, nope, not my bag. Because, you know, sexual liberation isn't just one thing. It's it's very different for very different people.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I guess you could say that about liberation in general, right? That we're all fighting our own fight, like exactly. our own battles, like we have our own experiences that we want to liberate ourselves from. So. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you. This was a really interesting conversation. I had a lot of more experience talking about like Tantra when it comes to like sexual healing work. So this is really interesting for me to learn about a, a, a sexuality doula, to learn about like a different way of like being able to to reclaim Liberation through sexuality for myself. Yeah. So, is there anything else that you want to add that I didn't get to ask
1: you about? No, I mean, I feel like we got into some stuff. I started ranting. <laughs> a bit great. about great. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I think that this this was a really great conversation, and I think it, unlike you know, there are many different ways to access sexual liberation, yeah and, tantra, and, and things like that, and this is just another method, another way of doing
0: it. So, for anyone that's curious, of course, I'm happy to send them to your website, to your Instagram. If they're just curious about like concepts in general, is there anything that they should Google or that they should seek out specifically?
1: Well, they should definitely visit my website because that's going to tell them everything that they need to know about me and my work and my philosophies. And there's also essays that I've written about sexuality and and things like that. And so they can go to sexloveliberation.com. I also feel like one of the best ways for them to get to know me is by listening to my podcast, which is The Sexually Liberated Woman, which really goes in depth about The things that I was talking about here in terms of like, you know, sensual self-portraiture and sexuality and sensuality, I think that that's a really great place for people to start if they're like, I don't know about this, but I'm a little curious. It's a good place to kind of dip a toe in. Nice. Okay,
0: wonderful. Well, women that listen to our podcast clearly love podcasts, so they'll tune in. I love your podcast too. I think it's you. My pleasure. Well, thank thank you you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I also really recommend and enjoy all your writing as well as I love all of your selfies that you post. It gives me a lot of food for thought, a lot of like personal considerations. So thank you because your writing is as in-depth and thoughtful as the photos that you're posting. Thank you.
1: I really appreciate that. Yeah, pleasure.
0: So thank you for taking the time and thank you everyone else for tuning into this episode of the radically selfish podcast we'll see you next time bye thank you so much to our guest evian whitney and to everyone for tuning in if this episode taught you something or inspired you in some way please leave a rating and a quick and easy review and of course share it with someone you love we'll see you next time where i'll be talking to another incredible woman who is doing her damn thing because well if you don't do you then who will stay blessed